Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning. I think this, um, I think this service normally ends at... Uh, is it 11.30? Right? Like, so man, I can just settle in here. And to be honest, those of you that are online, you can just walk away. Push, click. These four people in the building, I don't know if any of them have the courage to walk out. You know, it's kind of embarrassing, but no, it's a joke. Um, glad to have you online today. Glad for you that are in the building. Just kind of adjusting on the fly and um, thankful for the technology we do have. Um, a couple things we want to just remind you of before we jump into the word this morning. Uh, next Sunday is Family Sunday. And uh, the big deal with that is we like to, in January and in the summer on those Family Sundays, we like to celebrate baptisms. And um, we've had people come forward who are going to be baptized next week. And we would just continue to extend that invitation uh, to you. If you've been thinking about it, if you've been nudged by the Holy Spirit, um, it obviously is the next step for you if you have not been baptized. And so we, we would encourage you to just call us. Uh, please do so at the beginning of the week because then we can coordinate things. But if you're kind of on the fence, um, now's your day. This is your time. And we would love to celebrate with you next Sunday in family worship. And so please let us know. And uh, we would love to, to do that with you. So we started this week, or we started this year, kind of centering around this word blessed. I, I really don't know anybody who doesn't want to be blessed. I, I mean, even when I hear the word, I, I have a good feeling. Like, blessed. Yeah, that, that's what I want. I'm looking for that. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm always kind of overwhelmed by the fact that the scriptures teach that I can actually bless somebody else. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like a, a really good thing. Uh, uh, that's amazing. It's a powerful word, right? I don't know anybody who doesn't want to know what it is to live blessed. And as we've begun this year, we begin to realize, though, that how we've understood blessed generally in our culture and what the scriptures share as what blessed is can sometimes be a complete perspective changer. There's no doubt that what we're walking through today, this simple, straightforward, endlessly captivating kingdom manifesto we call the Sermon on the Mount, it is a startling invitation to see and inhabit an alternative world in the world that we live in. Like, to live out the kingdom of Jesus Christ and the Sermon on the Mount is introducing that into the world, is to really be in the world, but truly not of what this world is about, is it not? And so, like, that's what blessed is. The world, you're blessed if you're strong, you're blessed if you're powerful, you're blessed with possessions, you're blessed with all these things, and yet we found that the world has come up empty on this, still searching 
All the while, the kingdom invites us to what it is to be truly blessed. And so we're kind of redefining blessing, hopefully, in our hearts and minds over these first few months of the year. Uh, I remind you that the Sermon on the Mount, as Dallas Willard reminds us, is it's answering two questions. What is the good life? And who is a good person? And so as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, I, I remember I remind you, the first week we talked about this, it's, it's demanding of you to realize two things. Are you willing to change your thinking and perspective? Because the Sermon on the Mount is going to challenge each one of us. Because what we walk through every day, when you walk through the doors at work, when you uh, go to your community events, when you're at any kind of interaction with the world, I guarantee you that the Sermon on the Mount is not the prevailing way that people are thinking or acting. And so to be blessed is to live differently from the world. And so to do that, it obviously is going to challenge us. And we're going to have to learn to change thinking and perspective maybe that we've grown uh, up with or our environment's taught us or we just assumed was the way things are. Am I willing to change my thinking and perspective? And then we'll realize as we walk through this that there is no way that what Jesus calls us to, to live in this new kingdom perspective, there's no way that you and I can ever do it on our own. Like, the more I read this, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, 10 commandments are hard enough, let alone you call me to this interior righteousness and this lifestyle that's like, I can't do that. But that's exactly where he wants us to come to. To a realization that yes, you and I can't do that. But when the indwelling Christ comes into our life, he is able to accomplish in our hearts through the power of his spirit what we can never do on our own. That's what's beautiful about this. It calls us to something magnificent and yet it is so magnificent we know that inside of us it's not accomplishable. And yet the promise of an indwelling Christ in us tells us, I'll call you to this and then I'll help you live it out. And so those are the two things we're always thinking about as we walk through this. Obviously when you go into the, to the Sermon on the Mount, it starts with what these things we call the Beatitudes, the blessed things. Um, and it's kind of got this flow it's a beautiful flow through these eight statements. And we, we flowed through the first three in week two as we realized that God was calling us to simply this prayer, this attitude, this position. Lord, have mercy on me. That humility is the cornerstone of living out the Christ life. Like, Christ-like life in this world. That it is always with the disposition of God. I just continually need your mercy and grace and help. As Justin shared last week, the flow of the beatitude then leads us to hungering and thirsting for righteousness, experiencing what it is to be merciful, uh, living out a pure heart. And these things bring us to a prayer that says, Lord, may you be enough in my life. Lord, have mercy on me, and Lord, may you be enough. And those first six beatitudes are teaching us that it begins with inward attitudes and dispositions. That when those are the center of who we are becoming, if this is our heart, then the flow leads us to where we are going to come today. 
and it begins to move us into the outside, outward expression of our life in Jesus Christ. It's this flow. And so today we begin to consider this eight or this beatitude, the seventh beatitude in verse nine. Could it read like this? Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will be called children of God. Could it read like that? Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will be called the children of God. How many are on board with me when I say that? Thank you. That's not what it says. Right? It does not say blessed are the peacekeepers. The Sermon on the Mount was not the original United Nations. Amen? I'm glad you're picking up on that. It does not say blessed are the peacekeepers. And it actually doesn't say before they will be called the children of God. The word which is perfect uses a different word here called sons of God. And in a moment I'm going to talk about why it makes sense. But this is calling us to a life of peace. But it's not through the idea of peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is this, often. Peacekeeping, if you've learned this, if, if, you, if you lived with a family before, you've learned how to try to keep the peace, right? Or if you've worked in an environment with colleagues day in and day out, you've learned techniques to kind of keep the peace, right? We kind of, the world is into peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is sometimes, it's ignoring a problem, amen, and crossing our fingers that it'll go away. Or maybe it's even denying that a problem exists. It's just easier to not think that it's there. Or it's maybe just appeasing something. Like bad behavior, but I know that if I say something or I push back, that it's going to cause conflict. So I'm just going to keep taking it. That's kind of what peacekeepers do. Um... These passive tactics, uh, they delay the inevitable for a time, but they also cause unresolved issues to grow and resentment to take root. Can I get an amen? If you've ever been a peacekeeper, you know that you might be, you might be experiencing no conflict, but you're definitely not living with peace in your heart. Amen? Peacekeepers think that the absence of conflict is the goal. The avoidance of strife is the goal. The appeasement of a party, of parties is the goal. The peace at any price mentality is what is supposed to happen. I'm just keeping the peace. Has anybody who's ever said they're just keeping the peace really thought that there was peace? No. Accommodation of issues That's peacekeeping. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. This word peacemaker is from a Greek word. The, the, the part of the word maker comes from a Greek word that means to do, to make, to go. It's a word bursting 
with energy. It's a word that mandates action and initiative. Like, don't just keep the peace passively. No, you actively work to bring peace into your world that you live in. Blessed are those who, as they've lived out of a humble heart, as they have as they have learned to, Lord, I just am depending on you and you're enough in my life, that now what I am mandated to do is to go out and bring peace into my world, into my relationships. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peace wishers, peace hopers, peace dreamers, peace lovers, peace talkers. I still remember my third grade teacher, Mrs. Giel, um, who uh, was a hippie child. Uh, and I know I'm kind of old, but uh, she wasn't that old. I don't know how. I don't think she really lived through the 70s, but um, maybe a little bit. But I remember her still being all, you know, into the hippie thing, like, in our classroom, there was the peace and the, and the uh, tie-dye stuff. And, and I remember her actually having us walk down the halls. And then we would sing. And I don't remember the whole song, but it was like, all we are saying is just give peace a chance. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm like walking around. I don't know what I'm singing, but it, it was what we were supposed to do. But we realized that Peacekeeping and peacemaking are two different things. They're not the same. One runs from conflict. One runs toward. Peacemaking is never passive. It's taking initiative. It's up and doing. Now that word continues as we understand the Greek origin of it and what's trying to be communicated is a word to describe someone who actively proclaims God's word to reconcile the listener with the Lord. So really, Jesus by proclaiming this is calling us to this working definition. A peacemaker is someone who is actively seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another. You know the Old Testament idea of peace. This word shalom. This rich word. When they would tell somebody shalom. Peace. That's how they would greet each other. We say good morning. And um, you know they would say shalom. Like peace. And they weren't saying hey man. I hope you don't have any wars today. That's not what they were saying when they said shalom. It was much richer and deeper than, than a peacekeeping word. It was like, I hope you enjoy the full satisfaction, the, 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 the hope, the tranquility that the God can bring into a heart. Peace is, is a creative force producing goodness and well-being. It's not the absence of something, it's actually the presence of something. It's not the absence of conflict, it is the presence of aggressive goodness. Shalom, I hope that God blesses you completely in all that you do. That you find success, that you find contentment, that you find happiness. Not just, hey man, I hope you don't have a fight today. Right? So much more deep, rich meaning. Why we say peacemaking is peace is not the absence of something, it is the presence of something. Remember the angels, when they proclaimed Christ's birth, they said, peace on earth, goodwill 
to men. Actually, Isaiah had said that the one who was coming that day was going to be the prince of peace. And then as we understand what happens, Ephesians tells us that Christ then became our peace in what he did. He becomes the source of peace. Jesus is the peacemaker come into the world. And by his death and resurrection, as Colossians remind us, it's through the blood of the cross that peace was made. We understand that now you and I can truly know what it is to not just try to seek peace, but to make peace because of the peacemaker who came into the world. You see, when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's calling us to make peace as he made peace. As he is the source of peace, and we are in him, we now have the ability to actively go into every relationship we have in every context, and through his indwelling spirits and the power of God himself in us, we are now able to actively bring peace and reconciliation into our world. Like, I can't make peace. Some of us have personalities that are, that are um, more peaceable. Anybody think that's me? No, my wife would say no. I'm not just, I'm kind of a, well, you know how I am now. You don't have to say anything. But like, my wife's like a peacemaking person, just naturally, personality, right? Calming, voice, disposition, just... She just brings down the temperature in a room, if it's, right? But that's not what's being talked about here. All of us are called to make peace, regardless of our personality, regardless if we're more inclined to do it. Why? Because the indwelling Christ in us compels us to look around the world, look around our world, our relationships, and do whatever we can to reconcile people to God and people to one another. Because that's what Christ accomplished on the cross. So this peacemaking that we're called to do, it's in the context of Jesus Christ himself. Him with us, him in us, him enabling us. He said, blessed are those peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Children of God and sons of God are terms that are not quite identical. A child of God is one who is a part of the family. It's a statement of position. A son of God is one who is not only positionally, but he is like the family. It's a statement of character. Come on, we do this, right? When our kids do something really well, yeah, they're, they're mine. Right? Like, not only are they positionally my family, they're, they're like me. You know, we do this, right? That's kind of what he's saying. Listen, not just peacemakers are positionally family. Peacemakers re- bear the resemblance of the family. Like, it's a statement of character. Like, I know they are that family by the way they act. Somebody was joking with me this week, and I don't see it, but they said, listen, I can't believe it. When Keegan walks down the hall, I know he's your son. Like, you guys have the same walk. 
I feel sorry for the kid. But that's what it means. Not, oh, I know his name now. No, I can see who he, I know he's related to you by the way he walks. And we are sons of God because when we live as peacemakers, we resemble the family, Jesus Christ himself. I just want to leave a few things with you to remember about what the scriptures tell us how to peacemake. First of all, we're called to make the first move. Make the first move. Matthew chapter 18 reminds us of this. Matthew 18 and, let me see if I can find it. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, no, sorry. Where's it at? Now I can't find it. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I got the wrong one. Sorry. Matthew 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you're praying at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Part of making peace is being willing to make the first move. Even when it's not my fault. Actively bringing resolution into the world is through reconciliation. Amen? I'm not going to stay there because it's 10-10, but that's a tough one for us to swallow sometimes, isn't it? I naturally am like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'll wait for them. God help me. I'm going to be honest this week, the Spirit's just kind of been shining the light on me with this. And saying, you know what, to be a peacemaker in the world is to even go, if you know there is something there, you go. You do your best to make it right. Make the first move. Second thing is take care of your part. Take care of your part. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 and 5 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In peacemaking, you and I have to be able or willing to own whatever's ours. Amen? This is just how we find reconciliation. This is why our world never comes to peace. I I saw a statement that like, there's a lot of peace monuments in Washington, D.C. They all came after a war. (laughs) Because we just keep making peace monuments because we started a war first. Right? Like, it'd just be better for one peace monument than all of them because that means there was a lot of conflict. These principles are not at play in our world. But as a Jesus person, hey, I'm willing to move to you regardless. And I'm willing to, I'm, I'm going to own whatever's mine. 
whatever's my part, I'll gladly say, you know what? I was, I was wrong. I was too hasty. I was whatever. I was harsh. I, was, I misunderstood. It's part of peacemaking. Take care of your part. Third thing I would remind you of is fix the problem and not the blame. Fix the problem and not the blame. Ephesians chapter 4 reminds us that the heart of a Jesus person is one who is full of compassion and forgiveness. So much to the point where, man, we don't even, we don't hold anything against each other. Be kind or uh, um, do not... uh, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but whatever is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And then in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You're worried about fixing the problem, not who did what. You ever go down that rabbit trail? Like, well, we gotta fix who did first. Because you did first and I did second, then you did third and I did, Right? Who cares who did first? Right? That's hard. Who did first matters to me. Right? But as a peacemaker, I I get past that. Let's just fix this. Okay? I don't care who's at blame or who who's who we're gonna blame here. Let's just fix it. The fourth thing is focus on reconciliation and not resolution. Now I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive to what we're saying. But you and I both know that in a world where there is absolute truth and we're called to live in absolute truth, right? But there's also a lot of times we get crossed up with one another on judgment calls. Or we disagree on uh, certain interpretations of things. Or how to do certain things. The heart of peacemaking is reconciliation. We're not always going to agree on everything. And we can still live in unity without uniformity across our lives. In fact, learning to disagree agreeably is a sign of maturity. Right? And all I care about is, brother, maybe you and I don't quite see eye to eye on why we should have done this, but brother, is my heart and your heart together? Are we on the same page? Is there love? Is there goodwill? Is there the flushing out of any unforgiveness or malice or ill will? And, and at the end of the day, we'll just have to say, I don't know, man. I, I see it red, you see it green. Now, obviously, on the truth of scripture. Um, you and I might have to disagree with someone and it, it'd be a big deal, right? Like our world is throwing messages at us all the time. Your families, my family are telling me things or trying to tell me the Bible is not saying this but that. And I'm just like, no, it's not. We're not going to, we're going to disagree about that. And I'm not going to come to a place where I'm like, hey, your way and my way. No, I disagree sharply with you about that, about the scriptures. But all the while, I make sure in my heart that I am desiring to do whatever I can to help them reconcile to God. 
Amen? The Spirit can talk to you about how that works out in our lives. But we are concentrated first on heart-to-heart reconciliation. Not complete resolution. So you know what happens, though, is Jesus tells them, as he begins to explain to them the outward life of being blessed, being a peacemaker, we roll naturally into this next this next beatitude, the last one. And it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. And he said, blessed, and I know we love this, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what this, this scripture, it's passive, participle, permissiveness. Blessed are those who have allowed themselves to be persecuted. The idea is that they have willingly endured it. You see, peacemaking in our world is not popular. Trying to help people come to being reconciled to God and reconciled to each other runs cross-grain to the world. Does it not? And if you're going to be a peacemaker in this world, you are going to be persecuted. And I've been asking myself, why sometimes have maybe, Chip, you haven't been persecuted? And I know we don't live in China or South Africa or Africa right now, and we're not dying for our faith. As we will read in the next verse, though, being insulted for your faith is a part of persecution. I want to be honest, in my own life, I've kind of realized sometimes I've been too much of a peacekeeper and not enough of a peacemaker. And I haven't been persecuted because I've just kept the peace. And yet all the while, the mission of Christ in our world is to be willing to speak up and do whatever I can to try to help people reconcile to God and to reconcile to one another. And when that happens, it's not popular in a world that is interested in its own way above everything else. See the flow? Peacemakers become people who become persecuted. Jesus is the peacemaker. And he says he came into the world and the world received him not because its deeds were continually evil. He reminded his disciples that if the world hates you, take comfort because the world hated, hates Because what I'm about is trying to help people confront the sin in their life and see them come to peace with God. And that's not, that's not cool. Right? That's not, hey, I love to hear that. Tell me where I need to change my life. Amen? Obviously, Jesus was able to accomplish peacemaking in this world in a way that the world through all centuries look at him as one of the most compassionate, kind human beings to ever live. Other religions want to add Jesus to their mix because he was such a great person, right? Muslims, he's a great prophet. Like we should follow the teachings of Jesus. What, What a man. So this guy who was hated by the world yet still lived in such a way that he was attractional, compassionate. That's the way we should live. I'm not saying we create strife. 
But in our primary mission of peacemaking, drawing people to Jesus, reconciled with Jesus, reconciled with us, naturally what will happen is we will be persecuted for that. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted, who willingly endure, don't run, but accept. It's a continuous kind of passive, perfect participle. Blessed are those who have willingly allowed themselves to content to suffer continual hostility. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you, verse 11. It literally means to get face to face with someone and abuse them. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The way you live, living at peace with God and desiring the rest of the world to live at peace with God will be persecuted. I see it already in my kids, in the schools. My daughter is... is um. She has such a heart for God. Love God, outspoken about it. And every once in a while, she'll just say, Dad, I get made fun of. I get laughed at. I get sneered at. I get the eye roll. Right? Because she's it's just not what the world wants. It wants to do its own thing. And so, as we are peacemaking, we're going to be persecuted. And let me just finish with this way. The blessed life is this life. See, we tend to think the blessed life is when we reach a certain popularity or recognition, or respect. Man, I'd be so blessed if I was so respected. Jesus said you'll be so blessed if you willingly endure people making fun of you because you follow Jesus. Right? And this is what the scriptures remind us when we're persecuted. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. First Peter wrote a lot about this because he was writing to people who were being persecuted for their faith. Think about all the references in scripture about count it all joy when you face trials. Do you know why those people were facing trials? Because they were following Jesus, that's it. The trials of the New Testament Christians that are written about are primarily persecution trials because they followed Jesus and the rest of the world said, you're crazy, you don't have a job anymore, in fact, we're going we're gonna to affect the quality of your life. That's the persecution they faced because they followed Jesus. It wasn't because all of a sudden a famine hit. or It was because of their faith that they were persecuted. Peter writes, especially in 1 Peter, and he says things like this. Dear friends, 1 Peter 4.12, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. You know what that fiery ordeal was? Persecution. 
because of your faith? Because the world around you is saying, what are you doing? Can't believe that. Don't you know Rome is, Caesar is Lord? No, Jesus is Lord. He says, don't be surprised. You and I should not be surprised. If living out our faith, being reconciled to God and living in a lifestyle and a manner that's calling others to be reconciled to God, we should not be surprised if we're persecuted for that. Second thing is, don't be afraid. See, Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 has said this to him already. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. But don't be afraid. I have a family member right now who their number one reason for not following Jesus Christ full-heartedly is the fear of what others will think of them. Don't be afraid. The third thing is don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name of Jesus. Honestly, we think about being made fun of as something that's shameful, being made fun of is actually a badge of honor in the kingdom. Can I say that again? Don't be ashamed, he says. Praise God that you bear the name of Jesus. world says, avoid everything you can to be made fun of. Kingdom says, if you get made fun of, you should feel good about it. You're bearing the name of Jesus. Like, you're his. You're in company with him. He, did the, he faced the same thing. Don't be surprised. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. I would remind you to recognize the source. This is really important as people are persecuting you for your faith. Remember this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. When we see somebody persecuting us, can you just see behind who they are and see that the source of all persecution is the enemy of our soul? That is the persecutor. He uses people to persecute us, but he is the source of persecution. This is what helps you and I not to take things personally, right? If I see somebody making fun of me for my faith, I can endure it. I can actually have a heart of compassion if when I look at them, I see, but you know what? What's behind that is actually the enemy of, this, of my soul and this world, Satan himself, who's the accuser of the brethren, who will use whoever and whatever to persecute me. And I see, not them, but Satan working in them. Recognize the source. Fifth thing is refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. Romans chapter 12, um, 
verse um, 17 and 19 would remind us of this. Remind us of this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as much depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. Man! Can I white that out? I love a good revenge story. Count of Monte Cristo, man, it fires me up. Don't take revenge, but leave room for God, for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge. I might repay. If I get around to it, I'll repay. If I think about it, I'll repay. I will repay, says the Lord. Refuse to retaliate. This is what it means to peacemake. This is what it means to willingly endure for the sake and the name of Jesus in this world. We just came through Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And I realize that Martin Luther King Jr. is probably a very complex man. But there's no doubt that he embodied the Sermon on the Mount principles. He said it over and over. We will march for our rights and we will get beat up and we will not swing back. We will get up the next day and we will march again. We will not retaliate. We will not repay evil for evil. We will just continue to try to do good. And it changed. It changed our nation's consciousness in a great way. This is what happens. This is how we should live. Don't fight back. Refuse to retaliate. The last thing is respond with blessing. In fact, Luke, as he talks about this Sermon on the Mount, he uses these words, chapter 6, verse 27. He says this. Listen to these words. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Somebody that's persecuting you is an enemy. Right? I mean, you would consider them an enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Woo! Lord, help me. Amen? But this is truly what it means to live the blessed life. That's where blessing is peacemaking in this world and because of your peacemaking being persecuted and you know what willingly enduring that persecution not being surprised not being afraid not being ashamed of it seeing Satan as the source not retaliating but actually turning to those who persecute you and do your best to bless Living that life becomes the blessed life. That's not the world's definition of blessing, is it? And you see what happens is this. That when we're willing to live like that, being peacemakers and endure the persecution because of it, Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 then says this. You become the salt of the earth. 
if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? If you're not willing to live this way, it won't work. But if you're willing to live this way, you become the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A town on a hill that cannot be hidden. People don't put a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. What's the context of salt and light? It's living out these blessed things, especially peacemaking and responding to persecution. As we do that, the others in the world see your good deeds and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You see, if I were to grab this in a few words today, if it's Lord, have mercy on me, Lord, may you be enough. Today, I would say, Lord, keep me on mission. Keep me on mission. Help me to see the bigger thing. Thank you for peace that you've given me. I just want other people to experience that peace. And I'm willing to speak up, speak out, do whatever to try to help people reconcile to God. Even when they make fun of me or they don't receive it well, that's my mission. And in doing that mission as they persecute me for my faith, part of my mission is not retaliating. It's actually turning around and treating them better than they ever deserve. Just like Jesus treated us. And when I live that out, all of a sudden, the world, it's salty and it's lit with the truth and the light of the gospel. Right? And God is glorified and the gospel is proclaimed. This is what it means to be blessed. Father, help us to internalize this. (laughs) I've never thought that I'd be blessed when somebody makes fun of me. But I actually see, Lord, that If they're making fun of me for my faith, then what greater blessing than to identify with Jesus Christ? To be counted as his. Lord, help us to be willing and active peacemakers. Move us sometimes from peacekeeping that never changes the heart of anything. It just kind of skirts around the issue and it still lives there and it's miserable. And our world definitely doesn't change through peacekeeping. It changes through peacemaking, actively working to see reconciliation in in our lives and in the lives around us. Peace with God, peace with one another through reconciliation. And as we do that, and as we face pushback from that, Lord, help us to remember the way that we respond to people who don't like the truth of the gospel the way that we respond is actually the way that we can help win them to Christ by loving on them. Grow us in this, Father. Help us to live in the blessing of this life, understanding that great is our reward as we live this way. Go with us. Go with each one. May we be safe today. Enjoy time with our family and the slowdown of the day. May you be blessed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. 
we invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.